and thank you for the download. It's Monday, July 13th, and this is episode 25 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, the Sultan Asaki. What's up, Josh? Welcome home. <laughs> and Skipper Ben, how you doing? How does the orphan bastard son of a whore and a Scots... You can stop me anytime or... No, keep going. Let's see how far you can go. I'm, I'm excited about this Hamilton review show. I'm so glad Josh decided to bring pitch this idea and let's let's do this this is great <laughs> josh did you Between actually watch baseball no? you guys don't even need me anymore <laughs> <laughs> uh we are not doing a hamilton re- review show um against Why am I here? wishes <laughs> uh the theme parks opened a day or two ago magic kingdom and the animal kingdom and all hell broke loose uh not quite exactly what happened but that's that's a story that's being penned out there uh before we even get into that though uh about 36 hours after we recorded our last show, Disney announced that Princess and the Frog would be replacing Splash Mountain. We talked about it probably for a good 15 minutes on that show, and really I don't think other than the timetable uh, of an announcement were we incorrect in anything we said. Uh, if we were, you know what, I'm not even going to apologize. Challenge us. Bring it on. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. But I think we actually uh, discussed it at length there. But do either of you have any additional thoughts on that change now that it has been officially announced? My thought is that uh, it's it's a hell of a coincidence, and I <laughs> the, the cynical part of me um, calls into question uh, whether or not I'm willing to believe Disney's line that this is something that they've had in the pipeline for a couple of years. Um, you know, I just it, to me it seems like a bit of a response to. What is, you know, and again, I'm not coming on the on the value of this social movement, but it seems like, you know, this right now is a hot button item. So it seems awfully coincidental that that, that was the organic time that they intended to do this. So, you know, that's just oh, makes it definitely question. wasn't the organic time. Zero percent chance of that. Zero percent chance of that. But I, I think there's also a relatively high probability that this was a very nascent idea. I don't think that it is, uh, you know, mature and developed. I think they just decided they couldn't handle the heat and they were going to, in order to not look like they were pandering to a particular group of people, uh, you know, they, I think that they injected some subterfuge by saying that this was a two year old idea. So you don't believe Scott Trowbridge when he says he's been working on this secret project for the last year? Never trust anyone who's been photoshopped out of existence. He hasn't been photoshopped out of existence yet. No, but he okay. should have been working on, you know, making Rise of the Resistance run properly instead yes. of all those secret meetings. But hey. Somebody's got the heel tool hovering over him, though. Um, <laughs> the uh, opinions on the change we can discuss in a few minutes. I think at the very least, this was an opportunistic announcement because I think that let's let's go with the party line that they've been working on this for at least a year they certainly weren't ready to announce it when they did because this is this is far from an imminent change. And it, it is completely go, inconsistent with the way that Disney announces things. Right. So the fact that they announced it when they did, I think they did so in an attempt to reduce the backlash for it. Um, and I'm as Josh said, we're not trying to make light of the situation, the movement that's happening in this country right now. But because the movement is happening in the moment that an announcement about an attraction that has a problematic source material uh, is going to be accepted by more people if it's made now as opposed to when when waters are still, basically. Um, yeah, I think that's a good summation. But the so, waters are never still on Splash Mountain. <laughs> They're Possibly be not for what I'm referring to, Ben. Um, but anyway, Splash Mountain did open, and it is 
regularly the longest ride in the parks right now uh, as as uh, as the Magic Kingdom has reopened. Part of that is presumably they're only loading two rows, but I think that the popularity of it is uh, certainly going to be reflected on its farewell tour, which is essentially what's going to be happening here. Uh, you're seeing a bunch of people on eBay buying all of the uh, Brer Fox, Bear, and Rabbit merchandise. Um, and I saw jar, jars of uh, <laughs> hypothetically water from the splash, or allegedly <laughs> Splash Mountain water selling for $300 a mason jar. I know that smell, so I can probably <laughs> identify it by that. Although anyone, anyone who's ever had a hot tub realizes there's a huge business opportunity there. <laughs> But I mean, I, I think that I would be very surprised if Splash Mountain, as we currently know it, is closed by the end of the year permanently. I think they're going to give people an opportunity to experience this, recognizing it that it is a classic attraction. Um, source material be damned that they're they're simply not ready for the changeover yet. There's been no indication that they are, and the early rumblings are that Disneyland is going to close first. And if it's met with any level of um, this is not as good as Splash Mountain, then you may see something different happen in Disney World because this was so early on in the announcement process. Uh, I'm not going to say definitively that Disney World isn't going to get the makeover, but I think that it's probably a year and a half away at minimum before well, they close it. Jim, Jim Hill on the recent Disney Dish, uh, it's the only time frame that I've heard anybody mention anything, and, but you know, take it with a grain of salt. He mentioned 2025 as the opening date uh, of this attraction, saying that the uh, a current Splash Mountain hasn't even been scanned for the computers yet at all. Yeah. So when they say infancy, they, they mean super infancy. But he also went through a kind of a scene for scene, what he has heard uh, yeah, remake of the attraction. And I think this is where I have my biggest issue with it because on our episode when we discussed, you know, I, I threw out tear the whole thing down and build it from scratch and, yep. and give it the respect that it deserves. And what he's describing definitely does not sound like that. Uh, it, it doesn't do that, no. No, uh, you know, anywhere – and I think it is uh, – Conspicuous in the way that they use Lewis in the uh, one photo that they put out there, the uh, you know trumpet playing alligator, who's roughly the same size as Brer Bear. Uh, that that's your that's your one big indication that you know I think there is some truth to what he said out there that it's going to be a lot of reskinning and a lot of repurposing rooms that are already there. And uh, as far as like an original idea from the ground up using that ride system, that's that's unfortunately I don't think we're going to get that you know anywhere near there. And and at that point, I just I don't know if that is the right way to do this. Uh, Another thing that I think sort of supports your idea, Ben, is that from what I can tell as an outsider, that ride is a maintenance nightmare. I mean, you know, the maintenance, the, the, what I would call, I'm using, you know, aviation terminology here because I don't know the theme park jargon, but like a heavy event, like it seems like every year they're doing like heavy maintenance on that thing where they're, you know, chiseling up substantial parts of the rock work around the the ride trough. And I mean, that's got to be very, very expensive. I mean, to put up all, because you can't even start that work until you spend a substantial amount of time putting up all the scaffolding, you know, all of which is potentially a way for people to get injured if it isn't done exactly right. So, I mean, that seems like a very difficult ride to keep going compared to many others. So if you're going to lose its nostalgic draw um, and you want to avoid, simultaneously avoid the the obvious comparisons that people are going to make of whatever you put in there to the original, it seems to me like a, a bulldozer is the first step in getting there. The uh, the counter argument to that is Splash Mountain is like a 12 minute long ride or however long it is. 
it's one of the longer uh, rides that Disney has in Disney World right now. And I think we we all know that if they were to bulldoze it and start over, they would not get an experience that's that long. That's Um, for sure. And if if they are to reskin the various Brer Bear figures in the attraction and make them Lewis the Alligator, um, I don't really object to that from a from a you know cost savings standpoint. But you'll know when you go on the attraction if it looks like a cheap redo. Uh, that happens. Uh, that's happened before. There are some there are some great figures in Maelstrom, but there's no depth to there. And uh, sorry, Frozen Ever After, but there's no depth to that attraction. It- and that kind of goes back to what I was saying that, you know, if there was ever a time to not save a few dollars and cut mm-hmm. corners, uh, given the reasons that you gave to do this, this is the time. Right. This is this is the attraction to not go cheap on because uh, in that that just looks really bad to me. To that point, I think that they are relatively they're going to be relatively tight fisted with their money in the coming years and then announcing something. That a makeover on Frozen Ever After, the, the rumored budget for that was $75 million. This is a bigger attraction um, in a bigger park, to be honest. You're probably talking $100 million easy as what a budget should be for something like this if you're just doing a makeover. And if you were to level it and start over, Disney doesn't do many uh, major attractions for $100 million anymore. They're usually two to three times that. Um, so that's, that's the logic for why they're not doing it. We all know that, but our collective opinion last show was that if they do this, don't do it cheap. And this is a wait and see thing. They've got a great footprint to work with and a, and what is arguably a top five attraction in the entire world. Um, but we said this is something that they can't screw up. And if they're trying to do it on the cheap, they will screw it up. Well, it's a real easy fix. Take the money. That they were going to do to butcher Spaceship Earth, that nobody wants that changes those changes to happen, and just swip, you know, send that money over to Splash Mountain and put it behind something that people, you know, are a lot more uh, open to accept right now. I'm going to write this down as the first time Ben's ever said anything about Epcot that I actually agree with. Well, <laughs> I was going to say close down Epcot completely and just take that money. And <laughs> you know, the problem. Speaking of Epcot in this in this ride, though, you know. It's important to keep in mind that Mission Space was not done on the cheap. So while it's true that cheaping out on this would almost certainly yield disastrous results, unfortunately, the opposite isn't true. It's not necessarily the case that even if they do spend a ton of money that we're going to get something that – you know is is equivalent or better. The one thing that I I guess maybe would – make me feel a little better about that ride being complete uh, replaced completely is that it isn't a perfect fit for that area anyway. No, it's not. Now, I don't know what would be. So, you know, it's not to say that anything they put in there would be better, but at least Western river expedition. There you go. Home yeah. on the range. <laughs> but I mean, comparing it again to horizons, it's not like horizons was the perfect, you know, keystone attraction to future world. So losing mm-hmm. it was disastrous, not just for itself, but for the land as a whole. So I, I think at least there's an opportunity here potentially to do something that would be better for that area of the park. Everything but always comes back. Everything always comes back to horizons. It does. In the moment though, like with, with horizons and perhaps this is because the, the online fandom didn't really exist at the time that that attraction closed. There was certainly optimism that they were replacing that with mission space. Mission space was sold as the next latest and greatest e-ticket. It was going to be the thing that was cloned all around the world. Uh, there was optimism there as opposed to 
resentment. It wasn't until Mission Space opened that, as you said, yeah. that the the budget was let's let's say wasted. That's the <laughs> but, I'm not even know, trying to sugarcoat it. But I, you know, it's interesting that you point that out though, and I'm going to make a comparison here, which I realize is vapid and potentially offensive to some people, so, and I don't mean it that way. But That's what the, we're known for check our comments. The, the, the trend. At the time that that Horizons was replaced with Mission Space, one of the biggest sort of theme park sentiments around Epcot was that they needed more thrill rides. So, you know, and that turned out to be uh, a fleeting thing. And I think as a result, we're stuck with an attraction that's pretty deficient. Now, to be clear, I'm not suggesting that, uh, you know, equality and being free from uh, oppression by the police is a fleeting thing. I, I don't certainly don't want that. And I don't think that that's what this is. But at the same time, um, I do think that you have to be a little bit careful if you're Disney, if, because there's going to be, you know, maybe this social media, this social movement is really important. Maybe the next one is not. So I think if you're Disney, you have to be a little bit careful about being, um, you know, the degree to which you're willing to, to get caught up in the motion of the day, because that could lead you to make very, you know, very big decisions that yield attractions that are not timeless, which is kind of what your model has to be based on. If you're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on an attraction, you have to build something that is going to, uh, you know, survive the test of time. Um, you know, because it's not a TikTok, it's not a 90 second video that, you know, it's ephemeral and who gives a shit in two weeks. If people are into something different, you've got to make something that'll last. And that's what they've, when we talk about these sort of, you know, seminal attractions like space mountain and uh you know splash mountain you know that's what they have they have the certain timeless quality so i think you know that's part of what scares me with these changes oh tiktok mountain does sound good (laughs) (laughs) just a bunch of sluts dancing Uh, tiktok's under fire in our uh our, our collective boyfriend, uh, uh, Kevin Mayer, is probably not doing too well with that decision that he made to be the CEO there. Anyway. Your body is um, a wonderland. By the way, that's that's the new descent on Spaceship Earth is you make a TikTok at the top and you watch sense. it on the way down. <laughs> I like it. Cartoons are so eight years ago. Um, <laughs> the thematic fit is something we should discuss. We discussed never it last a episode. never from a jib jab. Uh, <laughs> you're watching the wrong ones. The... Um, the thematic fit in Disneyland, I don't even think that's a question. Uh, that It fits in Disneyland. It's adjacent to New Orleans Square. It's now part of New Orleans Square. Solved. No, no real issue there. Um, in Disney World, the land is Frontierland, uh, but you have the Rivers of America, which are kind of leading you to the frontier. I think you lean in heavily to that if you're going to – if you're going to try to argue any thematic fit and it's really not that far off, uh, Louisiana versus Georgia as a setting. Oh, there's some email being written right now, but it's, I mean, the, I, I don't, I was, I was of the, in the camp that splash mountain didn't really fit in Frontierland. Um, so I don't know that this is any worse a fit. It doesn't justify the change. Um, we, we understand the justification for the change and just from the, the reason for the change aside, Looking at the thematic fit, I don't think it's any real different than uh, than the Georgia setting of uh, Splash Mountain versus a Louisiana setting for the Princess and the Frog version. That's all. You know, is this maybe the start of just like an overhaul of all of Frontierland? I mean, how has how has nothing come up? Obviously, there has been some rumors about Country Bears and some of the content yep. there, which – uh, you know, we can discuss at some point, but you know, right across the street from that is Tom Sawyer Island. Yep. And I don't know how had that hasn't been a target 
of, of <laughs> the any discussion. There. The source material. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe this is just the beginning of just a whole, you know, overhaul of that entire area. And, and who knows what this area is going to look like 10 years from now uh, outside of just the changes that we'll get with Splash Mountain. So do you come up with a new name for it? Like, I mean, Manifest Destiny? Like, what do you what do you refer to that area as? Um, because it is about moving moving west and the Disney stories that are tied to that. Well, um, um, don't worry, we'll let you build a casino land. <laughs> <laughs> okay. True Life Adventure Land. There you go. Sure, why not? Uh, even though a lot of that is represented <laughs> in Adventureland itself. Yeah. Do we have anything else on the Princess and the Frog redo? I'll just say, with with the people that are in charge right now, they don't care. It, it, it'll be IP land, and well, <laughs> you kind of that's actually not that far off though. Because let, let's think about this rationally, assuming that this was this has been in the works for a year. Uh, Princess and the Frog didn't do that great in the box office. It was a second to last uh, hand drawn full length movie that they that they put out there. Uh, the the argument was that they had the word princess in the title, and that's why they changed Rapunzel to Tangled. And really, the logic was just poor all over the place. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, my understanding is that Tiana does very well from a merchandise standpoint. Oh, yeah. And merchandise isn't, uh, isn't the sole driver of building attractions as we think they are, but it does indicate the popularity of a franchise. And we said it last show that... Uh, black boys and girls do not see themselves represented in the parks. This this addresses that. I don't to see some myself represented in the parks. Where am I, where are you represented in the parks? Let's just cut down to brass tacks here. Uh, pretty much every humanoid figure, with the exception of Barack Obama and um, who was in American Adventure, they they are all white. So the uh, only two attractions that you're basing that on are American Adventure and Hall of Presidents. My sentence isn't over yet, Josh. Sorry, <laughs> right. but, but but the the gist of the characters that are humanoid in the parks are white, and if they're not white, they are attacking you on the Jungle Cruise. Uh, and I, you, I was on the Jungle Cruise, so I see myself there. Uh, <laughs> fair, fair point. But that, that's this, a much this, better answer than Tim had. This this was uh, the the crux of the argument. In the conversation that I was having with uh, with Jalen, Chris, and Erica, that uh, representation is a is a big factor here, and that's part of the reason why I think putting Tiana in there uh, is is one of the motivators. Is that if you see yourself represented in the parks, you're more apt to go to the parks, and I think that's a reasonable enough argument to make. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it should be at the cost of something else, but. Speaking personally, Splash Mountain is my favorite attraction in the Magic Kingdom. I have three Splash Mountain posters on display in my house. And so, so I, I am emotionally attached to the attraction. Yet this doesn't hurt the same way that getting rid of Maelstrom hurt. Because getting rid of Maelstrom seemed purely commercial. There, yep. d- there didn't seem any other reason for it. And I didn't really think that Frozen fit there. This... I, I understand the justification for it. Do you think so, anyone Imagineering was praying that a cop would kill a Viking? <laughs> just never happened. Probably shouldn't laugh at that. I mean, I'm uh, not trying to undermine, you know, 
uh, you know, I, okay, I'm a white dude. I, I don't have guilt about the fact that I'm a white guy. I didn't choose it. I didn't pick it. You know, it's just what I am. And if you're a uh, white woman or a black woman or a woman from another country or whatever, you know, we all just are born with as being what we are. What we do with it after that is up to us. But I'm just trying to, th- I'm thinking through my head of all of the different groups of people that are not represented in the parks and I, I guess my question is, who cares? I don't. Why do I? Why does everyone need to be represented everywhere? I'm I just. I guess I just. Maybe I'm questioning the actual value proposition of this. You know, where are the construction workers represented in the park? What about? Are there a lot of fat princesses in the park. I don't see a lot of those. You know, it's not that hard to identify groups of people uh, that would pro- that uh, you know that are not uh, you know prominently featured in an attraction. I just I can't imagine actually caring. As a fat princess myself, I do feel represented by Trader Sam. <laughs> well, when you're there, there's a fat princess in the park. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. But, but you're not there right now. Uh, all complaints can be sent to Josh directly. Josh, you want to give out your contact information? I don't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> why don't we move away from this? On you can parks. rebut me. Start your own podcast. <laughs> uh, under the parks reopening. Uh, Magic Kingdom and Disney's Animal Kingdom reopened July 11th. Uh, Epcot and Hollywood Studios are opening on July 15th. Uh, there are there are preview days for Epcot. I don't believe there are preview days announced for Hollywood Studios. A 180 since our last show. They will be doing a virtual queue for Rise of the Resistance, which uh, is interesting but not really surprising. And they are modifying that where you can reserve your boarding group at 10 o'clock, 1 o'clock, and 4 o'clock. So you don't need to be there directly at park opening in order to get that boarding group, which I think a lot of people were asking for back when the attraction first mm-hmm. opened. Um, as for the parks reopening, there were a couple of things that, uh, grew legs on social media and then on bigger news venues than Twitter, uh, not to call Twitter a news venue. Um, (laughs) there was a seven dwarfs mine train photo. I believe this was actually during the preview period where it had reopened after a, uh, downpour and you had a bunch of people crowding the, uh, the entry area, which is always the case at that attraction. Can we define a bunch? What was it, like 20 people? 20, 25 or so. Uh, and the the narrative is Disney is unsafe, uh, that sort of thing. Now, to be clear, uh, while I'm not uh, Dr. Fauci or anybody else that has the knowledge base on coronavirus, my Let's not assume Dr. Fauci knows anything. Uh, <laughs> Josh is making friends wherever he goes. Uh, the, Don't care. Don't want him. <laughs> the, everybody in the picture, as far as I could tell, was wearing a mask, and the prevention that has been put out there publicly is you wear a mask in situations where social distancing is not possible or less likely uh, and you're still suggested to social distance beyond that and this was apparently an isolated incident but it grew legs, uh, it got traction on social media and I believe beyond that uh, Disney is unsafe and there were a handful of other things beyond that but anecdotally I heard reports 100% mask compliance um, we'll see where, what effect Disney has on the central Florida members for coronavirus cases, but Florida was, uh, didn't really need the help of Disney. And one of the things that Disney got a lot of flack on was one of their multiple promotional videos upon the reopening of the parks that, uh, was trying to welcome people back to the parks. It was an advertisement and they got raked over the coals. Yeah, God um, forbid a company that's trying to sell a product or service advertise it. Yeah, what, an this, ins- what an insane idea. This goes to our uh, uh, suggestion last time. If you're uncomfortable, if you think that this isn't safe, don't go. 
Yeah. And let's be abundantly clear. Yep. If 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 what you mean by safe is free from risk, then Walt Disney World is not safe. Neither is your house, nor your grocery store, nor your nor has driveway, it ever been safe. Nor it's never else. been safe. Never right? been safe. Yep. If your definition of safe is meaning that the uh, the probability of a you know incurring some negative uh, you know outcome. Uh, is not out is outweighed by the benefit of doing it, then only you can decide that. You have to decide what the risk of exposing yourself to potentially sick people is compared to the experience of going in the parks. That is a personal decision. So there, no one is alleging that Disney is free from risk, nor is any other public venue. So this whole notion, quite frankly, is aimed at people who are incapable of engaging in enough critical thought to actually decide and figure out what it means for something to be safe or not. So these you know, so-called social justice warriors that think that they're actually advocating for something good are just injecting fear, uncertainty, and doubt into the minds of a public that can't barely think themselves out of a wet paper bag to begin with. So uh, I loathe these people, um, and I can't imagine anything bad happening to them and me not feeling good about it. The outrage logic assumes that we must bend over to any advertising we see, that whatever is advertised to us, we must succumb to it. And to and these that's, morons, that's probably that's true. Not, that, that should not be true. Uh, I think collectively on this show, we have said we're not comfortable going until at least the fall. I know that's where I'm at personally. I think realistically, I don't go to the parks until 2021. Yeah. I and mean, as we've talked about, our comfort in the park stems not just from exposure to virus, but exposure to the big ball of fire in the sky that makes it 100 right. degrees with, with you know high humidity there. Like, you can't be comfortable in that park right, right. <laughs> under any condition in <laughs> I August. mean, it was 97 degrees today there. Wearing a yeah. mask or not wearing Ugh. a mask, you're going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, so, that's, that's rough. Th- the anecdotal reports of 100% mask compliance, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, the... The outrage of the parks opening, I think we said on the show that they probably shouldn't be opening right now. But at the same time, they are, and they are taking the necessary precautions. And for the most part, the anecdotal uh, responses that we're hearing is that people felt safer there than they did anywhere else that they would go out in Mm -hmm. public right now. And that's largely been the case in Disney World in general, pandemic or no pandemic, that people generally feel safer there than anywhere else they go. And that's an interesting sentiment, too, because I I think that it creates somewhat of a big responsibility on Disney, because Mm -hmm. when you create an environment where people feel safe, one of the natural responses is that they take less care to ensure Mm -hmm. their own safety. Um, I told the story on Kingdom Cast once. When I was a relatively young kid, I was riding to Disney with my parents and some friends. And I, I really want to hope that it was my parents' friends and not my parents' But I remember, you know, the grown up saying how you can't get hurt at Disney. And and they weren't saying that sort of, you know, it was definitely uh, your parents. I really don't want to think that was my parents. But the, 100% you know, chance it was Josh's parents. Yep, definitely your parents. I'm making well, that, a t-shirt with that quote on there. Josh's parents. You bastard. But in any event, I think Utilidors.com. <laughs> I'll sell it in the store if people are going to buy it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm a capitalist through and through, baby. <laughs> um, you know, it does. It does sort of illustrate the fact that Disney has set, done such a good job of marketing, you know, their properties as being a safe place to go. Um, that I think they do in a time like this, where individuals' behavior has such a big impact on public safety, yeah. they really do have to be vigilant in policing it. This can't be a situation where they're liaison affair with enforcing the rules, because there's an awful lot of people out there um, 
that are just selfish and they're not going to, you know, if left to their own druthers, they wouldn't wear a mask. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you've seen again uh, across social media that if somebody confronts somebody else in a store or something like that, where they're not wearing a mask, they become confrontational. And at that point, as the person that is not wearing a mask is confrontational, confrontational with somebody that is wearing a mask. If the angry person does have coronavirus, the person that called them out is more susceptible to get it because there's no yeah. protection. There's no barrier. Right. Um, well, isn't so, this, isn't this a perfect job for Disney villain face characters? They can be the ones to go <laughs> through the parks. Go. I mean, they're already dicks anyway. So they yell at you, put on your mask. Yeah. It's yeah. a great idea. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, it, that's, that's actually a phenomenal idea because Disney is going to have to wrestle with uh, reconciling their, you know, strong desire to be polite and, and have tremendously good customer service with actually mandating that people follow the rules. So that's a great idea. Yeah. I'm stormtroopers patrolling all of the parks and <laughs> just hold blasters up to people's head. Put your mask on. Scar, scar, <laughs> scar rolling around on a parade float. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that the Darth Vader look would actually catch on? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, speaking of parades, they did a uh, character cavalcade, and Merida's horse got spooked. And again, this is a situation <laughs> where everybody lost their shit that, oh, they're not going to allow horses, they're not going to allow characters, and, and the result uh, for this. Josh, did you see this video? No. It's so amazing. Basically what happens is they're doing a, a character cavalcade that they were doing uh, to showcase the characters during the parks these last couple of days. Merida walks down Main Street on a horse and somebody, presumably a child, lets their balloon go and the balloons now have like a plastic clip to weigh it down from right. floating away and it wraps around the back leg of the horse and it spooks the horse. The horse uh, uh, bucks a little bit. Merida stays on. Not a, a little, little bit. bit. Okay. It bucks a lot. It bucks a lot. Yep. Mer- Merida manages, manages to stay on for... Uh, as good as any Bronco rider in the country. And then she safely gets off. The handlers are right there. Calm the horse down. Nobody's hurt. The horse seems to be fine. Uh, And basically training worked, but people are saying this is going to be the end of horses. This is going to be the end of characters on horses. It's going to be the end of balloons. Uh, Really what it comes down to is this is the first day the parks are open. (laughs) Yeah, no more balloons. You know what's what's great is that like, the uh, balloons now have like the inter- interior balloon and the exterior balloon. The yes. interior balloon was also still intact after all this of like the horse stampeding on it. Impressive. Um, they make so much money on those balloons that it will not be not the anywhere. end of balloons. <laughs> um, you know, the thing is that you know it reminds me of a story. It was Rolly Crump and uh, Rolly Crump and uh, Walt talking about how when they were talking about um, you know. Uh, the birds in Tiki Room that you couldn't have birds in there because they'd poop in the food. So yep. he's like, no, Walt, they're going to be robots. Like, to me, this is a... Animals, <laughs> <robot> horses? <laughs> animals and cast members both share the same problem. They're unpredictable. Robots, much more predictable. Although there is some COP uh, footage that suggests that even those are not infallible. <laughs> you talk about the stupidity <laughs> of guests. I feel that we've all been on uh, Kilimanjaro safaris where people have legitimately thought that the animals were robots. Like, yep. <laughs> the level of stupidity of some whoa, guests. Whoa, whoa, is, wait, 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 wait. Sorry wait, to wait. sorry to ruin this for you, Ben. <laughs> Spoiler alert, <to> Ben. <laughs> uh, this isn't the first time that there has been an incident with a horse, uh, yep. and there will the continue to be. The Headless Horseman, right? Exactly. So that I looked that yep. up. That was eight years ago, and 
the horse, I believe, slipped around a corner. The horse, yep. uh, the horse fell. The headless horseman uh, rider fell off, and I believe the rider got back on the horse, and they finished the path. But these animals have been trained. They hit and, so hard that his head reattached. Yes, the, these animals have been trained for what the procedure is to be, and. In this case, the horse was spooked, but also stayed centered in the middle of Main Street, USA. It didn't endanger any guests. And they have the handlers right there. Uh, I mean, the handlers are walking with Merida and the horse, basically leading the horse uh, up Main Street. So when something goes wrong, they they know how to calm the horse down. And nobody got right behind the kicking leg right away. But it was over in less than two minutes. And... The horse was brought backstage safely. Merida was fine, and no guest got injured, other than you know the kid whose balloon got trampled. There was really no casualty. So let, let me say one thing though, as you the, mean the balloon uh, of the kid, <laughs> yes, as, as the official <laughs> Texan on this show. Yeah, uh, I've been on. I've been to a lot of rodeos growing up, mm-hmm. and uh, we need nice. to be giving Merida some credit because that was a heck of a ride, and the mm-hmm. way she stayed in character and didn't panic and was able to get off that horse. Uh, that was some great work right there. Uh, and I don't know how much training they get to ride on those horses. Uh, and they definitely don't go through any kind of training to uh, simulate a bucking, uh, panicked horse by any she means. She had to have ridden a horse in she some level have, of competition she, before. She was she did a great job. So just yeah. a, a little kudos to uh, the way she stayed in character and yeah. uh, didn't, didn't, you know, ruin any of, any of the magic for any of the kids that were sitting around watching what was going on that, uh, you know... I've been around horses before that have gone into panic like that, and it's it is a scary moment without yeah. a doubt. And uh, everybody handled that situation quite well. So that could have ended a lot worse than it did. Yes, yep. that ended about as smoothly as it could have. Um, but I mean, you just said it. If Merida gets thrown from that, you could have a cracked skull, and she could be dead on Main Street, USA, like day one of the parks reopening. Uh, not that the time frame is <laughs> any significance, but that would have been the biggest news story to hit Disney ever. That yeah. uh, that you have a cast member thrown from a from an animal and and, and dies. That if, was, you have, if you haven't seen the video, it's uh, it's impressive. Um, I have a feeling she'll be on that float that's riding right behind her now, though for <laughs> for a while she won't be on that horse. Um, the other question that I had related to the reopening: you now have NBA players and soccer players, uh, MLS players, in the Disney bubble, uh, and you're getting some great dialogue. Uh, what is it? The inside the bubble is the Twitter handle that's great for the NBA, where you're getting a lot of players, um, Instagram feeds and Twitter feeds, all kind of put together uh, and digestible, you know, two to three minute clips. Uh, but the question that I have is: we've all been on Disney Wi-Fi, and it's it's questionable at best. It's it's lousy <laughs> at best. Uh, but they also have family friendly filters, and these are adult men without their significant others. I wonder if they're getting their own uh, their own internet. So, uh, Robin uh, Lopez, if you're listening, we want to know what you've got for internet. Uh, so, I work directly with uh, four teams that are in the bubble right now. Yep. So, a lot of my job is sitting around following these guys, and uh, it's been awesome. First off, absolutely awesome. It's it's been incre- you know, especially for everybody that's been quarantined for so long. We've been looking for that one little glimmer of hope and something to make us smile. And if if you're a basketball fan whatsoever or a sports fan i highly recommend getting on twitter and following these guys because the content that they're putting out there is just it's hilarious uh but one of the uh for instance that you were discussing um 
one of the posts that I saw was the the Dallas Mavericks are staying at the Grand Floridian and Luka Doncic, uh, one of the, you know, usual spelling on that last name. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> rising stars in the NBA, worldwide following. Uh, one of his most popular posts was it was taking him two days to download uh, FIFA 20 on his PlayStation using <laughs> uh, the Grand Floridian Wi-Fi. So uh, the report came out of there that the they were actively working on getting better Wi-Fi set up for the players in their areas of the hotels. So uh, I, I know he wasn't the only one complaining because gaming is a huge deal for these oh, guys. Absolutely. Uh, th- that's how they spend a lot of time on the road is is gaming. And yeah, the, the standard Keep that Disney in mind hotel when they, uh, Wi-Fi. When they protest their salaries next time. Yep. <laughs> so... Uh, they definitely are working on that. The the one thing I have found very interesting, though, because a lot of this happens after hours, later at night. They're, they're doing a lot of night fishing around uh, the yacht club and out by the Grand Floridian and stuff. It's stuff that's really fun to see. But uh, the, the initial report was that the players were going to stay in the bubble and not have access to the parks. And that is not the case now where Adam Silver, the uh, commissioner of the NBA and Disney, have worked out some deals to where the Players will have access, limited access to limited areas of the parks. Uh, I believe one of it was like literally just Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster. Uh, and another yeah. was Avatar. And it has to be done in groups of 40 people or less. But because of the buzz that these guys are getting on social media, posting from just in and around the resorts, Disney has got to be doing cartwheels that they worked out a deal to oh, have these players who have millions and millions of followers on social media. They're going to be posting pictures of them waiting, you know, riding rock and roller coaster, riding it's tower. Be terror, than the riding, that they're putting out there. It, exactly. And it's all, you know, it's not free. The mm-hmm. NBA is paying them. To be there, so it's it, they're they're getting they're they're getting paid for this advertising. It's it's actually uh, quite interesting, and it's stuff that I'm looking forward to. I think it'll be a lot of fun to follow. I think the the outrage that's happening right now uh, is how dare Disney World reopen during the middle of a pandemic when Florida just hits their highest numbers. Uh, what we're going to see going forward is a continued level of outrage. And there's not even really a sniff of any outrage against Universal Studios. And I really think that the issue is that it is Disney. They are held to that higher standard that we're talking about. You feel safer there. So why why should we expect that to continue when the world itself is no longer safe? It's interesting you brought that up. I, uh, you know, our pre-show we were talking about the uh, one reporter. I don't know. Do we want to say her name or not? She why the listeners- hell not? It's, pub- it's okay. a public figure. Carly Wiesel, she lists herself as a uh, theme park journalist. So whenever you list yourself, you know, your title as journalist, I, I think you take yourself a lot more serious than a fan or blogger yep. or vlogger. Uh, and so she posted a, a video outside the Magic Kingdom yesterday morning uh, where she had been talking during the week about being sent on assignment to report about the opening of the parks. And because of the crowding Outside the front of the Magic Kingdom, because uh, Disney told the guests to, to go down this one pathway, and she said it was like three lines merging together, so there was way too many people in one spot, and she posted a little, literally nine-second panicked video that this is unacceptable, and I'm leaving. Uh, and that what's, was her What's only- the name of this broad, real quick? Carly Wiesel. Carly Wiesel. Uh, she 
posted that video and it went super viral. Uh, TMZ running with it, news stations all over to the point where she had to like clarify her comments later that, that, you know, that's not what she meant. Some things actually went well, but she'd actually like never went into the magic kingdom at all yesterday. So I don't know how she can report that things went well, uh, because she went in a huff and left. Well, as I was watching that video, there, there were in that Twitter thread, this goes back to what you were just saying about Universal, just, you know, a couple comments below, there were pictures of what Universal looked like in the parking garages on their first day of opening. It looked the same as Disney, yet the backlash didn't happen. Uh, It it wasn't national news that people were standing in lines waiting to get in the parks at Universal, yet her her one video gets picked up and goes crazy. And at that point, uh, you know, we said it, she, she was the story, not Disney's park opening becoming the story. And I think she's got uh, bigger teeth than that horse. What was that email again for, for, uh, <laughs> complaints? I've said it all to him. He's my, he's my, I, agent. I, I, I agree with you. The Disney is held to a higher standard. Maybe they should be, I don't know. Uh, but, Universal seemed to go through a lot of the same heartbreak and, and, and headaches and, and, and heartbreak, heartache, uh, yet with, with just a fraction of the uh, scuttlebutt across social media feeds about it. Excellent word. So some of the takeaways here, uh, don't believe the media, social media hype against everything being, uh, being wrong, and uh, don't buy uh, Splash Mountain merchandise on eBay. I think those are those <laughs> are the takeaways. Not yep, yep. Because yep. <laughs> that stuff's going to be available for as long as people are willing to buy it, and yep. Disney will happily reproduce uh, hundreds of thousands of Brer Rabbit, Brer Fox, and Brer Bears if people are going to go in and spend twenty bucks a pop on them. So, uh, why don't we move away from that onto listener questions? Uh, our first one comes to us on Twitter from. Uh, I think mouse gabble or mouse gababble. There's a lot of letters there. Uh, none <laughs> of which spell mouse or babble, but <laughs> combined, we're going to say mouse gababble. Uh, I'll be at Disneyland Paris this week. If you guys ever need a trip report, I could also go into details about the pillows if needed. Uh, that's a little bit of a dig at me, but I would say uh, mouse gababble, if that is your real name, uh, email us, martycalled at gmail.com. Hopefully the inbox isn't flooded with complaints about Josh, and you can give us a uh, rundown of your experiences at Disneyland Paris. Uh, Just been... make it shorter than any Jap- uh, Japan trip report. There you go. There you go. That should uh, be so, doable. Yeah. We, we can we can put that out there for uh, for Disneyland Paris. Actually, I, I, I do want to put this out there for him. He can give us a little report on this. The uh, the backlot tour changing over to the Cars Route 66 uh, tour. If he gets to see that and any changes, we've seen the one photo of uh, how they've redone Catastrophe Canyon, or not even photo, the artwork, uh, which it looks exactly like Catastrophe Canyon, except for the one tanker truck has a yep. face on on the front end. But uh, yeah, uh, if you're there and you get to see what the uh, Route 66. Uh, Cars attraction uh, looks like as it's uh, gone through its renovation. Let us know. Eight to ten years ago, that was the rumor for Hollywood Studios before uh, Star Wars Land and Toy Story Land were things. There was the prospect of a Cars Land coming there, a version of it coming there, and repurposing Catastrophe Canyon. So it seems like that was not shelved entirely. It went over to the Studios Park out there. Um, if you only have one day, I'm guessing he's not going to the Studios Park, and I don't know if that's the case. But uh, uh, Crush's coaster, he better be going over yes. there. Uh, so, so get us that uh, martycall at gmail dot com, and we will take a look at it and read some or all of it on the air. Uh, next one comes from McLovin. I actually did watch part of Superbad last night. Uh, probably not the McLovin uh, at Katen twenty five on Twitter. 
Love you guys and the show. Knowing this is more of a Disney-focused show, would love to hear your guys' thoughts on the Jurassic Coaster. In addition, how would you compare the Disney water park to Volcano Bay? Pros, cons, thanks in advance. What Jurassic poster? Coaster. Yeah, there, we are not aware of any Jurassic Park roller coaster. <laughs> I was just Googling uh, this like, well, shit, I guess I didn't do my homework. <laughs> Tim and I are saying a joke. Josh is... Uh, Josh is completely unaware Josh of it. Real. Ben and I are joking around. Oh, um, well, that makes you feel really a, stupid. There is an unannounced <laughs> roller coaster uh, going into the waterfront along Jurassic Park in Islands of Adventure. Uh, the working title that has been circulating is Velocicoaster. Um, there really hasn't been any detail on it from a what is it going to be other than in name only a Jurassic Park coaster. But if it's anything like Hagrid's, sign me up. Um, it does appear to be more visually intrusive than Hagrid's is. But if if it's as good a job as Hagrid's is, I'm 100% on board. Uh, they've, they've got good coasters there. Yeah, I'm 1,000% on board for a new coaster. No questions asked That's not there. how percentages work, jerk. Sorry. Is that a B&M? Something like that. Can't tell. I'm I, looking I at had the one pictures. earlier today, but I don't think that's really relevant here. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You're talking about roller coaster manufacturers. I don't know who uh, manufactures it. Get uh, get Will on the phone. He'll he'll let you know. He does know that stuff. Uh, the coaster itself looks awesome. Uh, the layout, the 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 moves, everything. Uh, the the hugging the ground, low, low to the ground, low to the waterfront looks cool. The only thing I, I'm wondering about is. Uh, and, you know, can't really judge us until we see it ourselves. I always loved entering Islands of Adventure and seeing that sight line across the water to the Jurassic Park area. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, and seeing the visitor center, making it, it felt very much like the uh, the movie. And now with a roller coaster track moving in front of it and, you know, the kinetic energy that'll bring. Uh, did I use that word right? I don't know. Can't remember. Um, that, yes. That'll change <laughs> that view as you enter the park. Uh, so I'll wait to judge that for myself to see if it takes away anything from, you know, how I enjoyed it before. The one thing I worry about is just kind of the mishmash between Jurassic World and Jurassic Park now. Uh, it seems like half the area is the classic Jurassic Park. The other half is moving towards Jurassic World. Uh, you know, everything from the characters in those films to the color schemes of those parks uh, kind of clash. So I think they need to make the decision at some point to either bite the bullet and go full Jurassic World. Uh, actually, that's I think that's the only decision they can really make now with this new attraction, because it seems like everything with this one, uh, there's no way they're building a Velociraptor coaster and you're not going to see blue uh, yeah. and the other Velociraptors from Jurassic World in it. So, so they uh, can do that Hollywood makeover on the river ride. Which is and, fine by me. Yeah. That that looks awesome. My parents did it, and they absolutely loved it. So uh, they just they just need to make the decision to do that at some point and make that entire area a Jurassic World, especially since with Epic Universe, you know, there were some rumors of maybe a Jurassic World area going into that park. Obviously, that's not the case now, so you might as well just make that change and put all of Jurassic World in Islands of Adventure. Josh, to answer your question, I don't know for sure, but I would bet Intamin is the manufacturer because that's who they used for the last two Harry Potter rides. Yeah, it doesn't. That wouldn't surprise me because I think most of the B and M have like that square box underneath the rails, and this one's round. So square box. Take a couple of- <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna want to get that checked out. Uh, his other his other question was on the water parks. Unfortunately, I don't think any of us have been over to Volcano Bay. I don't like to be electrocuted when I go to water <laughs> the, parks. Uh, shocking details of Volcano Bay. Um, I'm a big fan of Typhoon Lagoon, but I say that, and I've been like twice in the last 10 years. Ben, do you guys go to the water parks all that often? 
Uh, we do. We it's become a regular in our trips now. Uh, we've done Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon. We we only do one of the two. We don't usually hit both. Uh, and we'll do like a half day at, at either one of them, but. Uh, the kids are at the age now that they love water parks, so uh, we lean more towards actually Typhoon Lagoon than we do uh, Blizzard Beach. Uh, but we have not been to Volcano Bay. We, we, we had our trip back in November uh, with every intention to go to Volcano Bay, and the weather just didn't work with us to uh, hit a water park that day. So uh, we have not done it, but it's on the agenda. We will hit it at some point. And from everything I've heard, it's, it's a fantastic park. So Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can really go wrong with any of them. To be no. honest with you, uh, if you're into going to water parks, they're all they're amongst the best in the world. Yep. There's Volcano Bay fits right in there with Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon. So um, if you're debating and you've been to the other two and you want to give Volcano Bay a try, I don't think anybody would begrudge you that. Nope. So uh, <laughs> this next one uh, comes from I'm Quixotic. Uh, Javier asked the question, retheme Hall of Presidents to Hall of Disney Legends. Yes or yes? <laughs> I appreciate it giving it some giving us so much room to maneuver. <laughs> it's like the uh, Stephen Colbert thing. George W. Bush, great president or the greatest president? <laughs> I think I think we'd need to do some extensive research on every one of the Disney legends just to make sure there's nothing that they need to get canceled for before we put them in there. So oh. you just you never know. You know, so, I I do think <laughs> I think that even though this question was probably <laughs> intended as a joke, I really think that one of the huge opportunities he is Disney, quixotic that Disney's missing is sort of providing a way to inform people about the history of how that part came to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's certainly why we're here. And I think that certainly us and probably anyone who's listening to this show to some degree gets a greater enjoyment out of going to the parks because they have some inside baseball knowledge as to how they all work. And Disney doesn't really do much you know, to, to tell that narrative to people. I would love great moments with Uncle Walt, with, with Uncle Walt. If they were to do that in Disneyland, replace yep. Lincoln, great moments with Uncle Walt. But I mean, you know, and just there, there's so much, there's so many great minds and figures that were maybe obscured by the fact that they worked for the company. You know, they're not your Nikola Teslas and Edisons and people who were, that were both brilliant and entrepreneurs and therefore, well, I guess Nikola Tesla was really wasn't much of an entrepreneur, but nonetheless, they were sort of known in their individual capacity. So their stories are known. And I think that one of the downsides of large corporations is that you have a lot of individual genius in there that just sort of gets, uh, you know, blended into the corporate identity and the world at large may never knit never get to really know or appreciate their individual contribution. So an attraction like what Don Quixote here suggests we might do uh, would provide a forum to, to tell those stories. And I, I do think that the average park guest would probably be enriched by knowing uh, what it took in order to make that place a, a reality. So if we, we had to good. I was going to say, if we had to take that out there and, and redo the hall of presidents, why don't we just all do the right thing and give it to Sam Eagle and let him do his salute to all nations <laughs> All roads lead to Muppets with Ben. <laughs> they do. They do. I say we give it to Sam and let him finally put on his three and a half hour, you know, spectacular finale. Did we talk about the idea of some sort of version of Hamilton going into the Hall of Presidents? We did. We, okay. But so, that was before the cancel Hamilton movie. Yeah, that was, so that was before Hamilton got canceled. <laughs> the 
I'm hesitant to mention this because I I have zero confidence in the source of this, but there's been somebody circulating over on WW Magic for the past year or so uh, that has put out insider information and then backtracked on all of it. The uh, coronavirus pandemic has been very convenient for him to be able to backtrack on a lot of information. But the rumor that apparently is no more was that Disney was speaking with both Lin-Manuel Miranda and Weird Al Yankovic to do something different in that space. Um, I don't doubt for a second that Disney is considering doing something different other than Hall of Presidents. I think that the cost to update that attraction every four or eight years and the corresponding payoff of attendance in that area is minimal. I, I don't think that most people see that more than once in an administration. I just think that there's, it's not popular enough to 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 necessitate it. I say that I am. I've made no secret that I'm not a fan of the current presidential administration, but I think the current version of the show is probably the best version of the show. Uh, I think they've done necessary upgrades to it, but I still think it's something that I might have seen two or three times. Well, let me and, ask you this: Imagine we're we're an armchair imagineering show, right? Yep. So if we were all high-level Imagineers who had to green light or kill a proposed project, and, and an Imagineer walked in and they said, I've got this great idea. But before I tell you the details, let me tell you this. It's going to require a multi-million dollar update at least twice, you know, between once and twice per decade. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that it's going to piss off and upset at least 50% of our right. guests. So what do you say? Can we write the check? Yeah, you let's laugh them out of the room, right? So Exactly. I, and I'm not one for eradicating any opportunity for people to learn about American history. I'm really not. But mm-hmm. I'm also not, I also would like to think that I'm at least capable of making rational business decisions. And when I look at all of the beloved attractions that had a serious amount of, you know, love and buy-in from society that they have destroyed, it's amazing to me that Hall of Presidents has survived as long as it has, just because right. by its very nature, it almost undermines the main value proposition that Walt Disney World has, which is escapism from the actual... From you know, politics. Like, uh, that, what's yeah, the thing you want to escape it, from the most when you're on vacation? It's like, here's a princess, there's the president you didn't vote for. It's right, like, that's exactly. A, that's a rough... Uh, transition. So, uh, you know, and I'd love if, if I had, if it had to be replaced, if the proposal is, do we get rid of this potentially polarizing thing, which no matter, and I'm, this is not a political statement. I'm just saying people have opinions about politics and you, it's one of those areas where it is impossible to please, you know, certainly everybody everybody, and even most people, you know, even if the, you know, because even the people who like whatever administration is the latest, latest one that you've added, they're not going to like how you represented them or something. You right. know, there's always going to be issues. So replace that with something about the history of Imagineering. Hell yeah, do it. You are spot on. Replace the Hall of Presidents. Nobody wants politics when they're parked. Hall of Religions. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise and the, the Scientology do, Pavilion. Do we determine which one is the best at the end? <laughs> the part of the problem now is let's throw this out there is there a way to i'm I'm going like really far-fetched here but you eliminate liberty square as a theme entirely you know let's take it one step further and just get rid of liberty (laughs) (laughs) get rid of liberty as well (laughs) so so the new ip land that's taken over frontier land just moves east a little bit and takes over liberty square why not make it new orleans square 
I mean, yes, you lose. You've got to you've got to take down some buildings, but you can then justify Splash Mountain. Uh, you can have right. an excuse of uh, getting rid of the Hall of Presidents show and a change to the exterior facade of Haunted Mansion has put that in Liberty Square or in, uh, sorry, in New Orleans Square in California. This is really the, the motivation here is I want to get Monte Cristos in the Magic Kingdom. So <laughs> I was gonna say it seems like a lot of a lot of change for change's sake. I, I am good for like twenty bucks a visit if they do this for, <laughs> for my Monte Cristo. So just keep that in the back of your mind. But in, in all seriousness, like if what is other than the architecture at this point, if you were to get rid of the Hall of Presidents, what is there to tie it to the concept of Liberty Square? I don't think most people are aware of the transition that they undergo when they go into that area. No. So to that point, is it worth changing the theme entirely? So you'd have to extend that all the way down to Pecos Bills. Probably, yeah. And make that perhaps like, I, I, I don't know how to do it, but uh, this is getting probably a little bit longer than what the jokey question was asking. Uh, the question originally was, retheme Hall of Presidents to Hall of Disney Legends, yes or yes? Uh, There's nothing the- more like this show than to do that, though. <laughs> uh, now I'm well, talking it, about it's- getting rid of Liberty Square and half Frontierland. <laughs> this guy asked a joke question, Tim's <laughs> over on the like drawing board with blueprints. <laughs> I somehow got a chalkboard in here. I don't know where that came from. Personally, <laughs> personally I like New Orleans Square more than I do Liberty uh, Square. Oh, absolutely. So I'm, New Orleans I'm Square fine. is one of the best themed worlds in the country. What if we were named the world. world Liberty? <laughs> Shut up, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> no, New uh, Orleans Square is substantially better than Liberty Square. Uh, maybe this is where you connect with – it's, it's going to be way more expensive and – you know, do they have the money to do something like this? But again, with Tom Sawyer Island, you know, maybe that be gut that area, put something over there that connects over to uh, Big Thunder Mountain in some way, and there's, mm-hmm. there's your extension of Frontierland. So you, the space that you maybe lose uh, along that pathway uh, that leads all the way to Pecos Bills, you can make up for across the across the water into Tom Sawyer Island. Put something over there that's much more appealing that people want to, you know, go do and ride. You know, put a ride over there. Put something that's actually substantial to get people to draw over to that side and not just walking around a cave and whatever. Yeah. Uh, you guys and, are really, like, trying to bulldoze some stuff tonight. Yeah, why not? <laughs> this, it, like Tim said. It's not our money. We're, the, we're, not, we're not spending our money. This is the time to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to do a Hollow Disney Legends. Sorry, uh, I'm quixotic. I just I don't see it's gonna, I don't see it happening, uh, at least not in the context of animatronic figures of every Disney legend standing up. But I support uh, you, Quixotic. I do think that Hall of Presidents has to be considered on the chopping block, and for me, ahead of Country Bear or uh, yeah. uh, Enchanted Tiki Room, I think it is. I don't a hear far guys in bars arguing attraction. about bears. I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. Both You're of those shows the right have their bars. problems. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those shows have their problems. We'll, we'll take a ride down to Texas, uh, Josh, and we'll, we'll, we'll meet up with them. Um, but I think Hall of Presidents is, is probably the most divisive attraction that Disney has ever built. Yep. And it was not I the mean, intention of it, but... And the problem there is uh, American Adventure creates an issue because to me, the obvious fix for Hall of Presidents would be you make it historic rather than contemporary. Yeah. You, you know, you cut out the current century or maybe even the current last century. But th- if you do that, then you're essentially looking at an attraction that's probably way too similar to uh, the American exactly. Adventure. Exactly. So I think now getting rid of it altogether is probably the honestly, probably the right move. And I'm, you know, I'm never really quick on the train of get rid of this classic attraction. Um, but the fact is, I think that Walt 
as much as he loved history and loved America, he was also innovative and he was no fool. I think that he recognized that that things change and he saw opportunity in the fact that society changed. You know, he created things that the world didn't know it wanted. And then people found out that they did. And to that end, I think that the world that exists today versus, uh, you know, in the world he lived in when he was making, you know, the, the Lincoln animatronic for the world's fair, it's just a very different world. And I think that if Walt, and I, I know it's a fool's errand to say if Walt were here today, this is what he would do. But I truly believe he was a man that was capable of adapting to change and would not be steadfastly digging his heels in uh, in order to you know, preserve something that was clearly problematic in the face of contemporary life. So the building that Hall of Presidents is in is shared with Mickey's Philhar Magic. So why not gut them both and just one, make one big super attraction there? Uh, then s- since we're uh, putting Tiana in there, we can change that all to New Orleans Square, get me my Monte Cristos, and I think I'll be happy with all of that. If and they that's... demolish PhilharMagic and that the shit that is in the grates on those vents becomes airborne, that will be the next uh, <laughs> pandemic that the world has to <laughs> deal with. Uh, <laughs> there we there might be the cure in that. that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew this. I went to Japan a few years ago. And, oh, God. Uh, it's come up a few times here. Could One, you spend uh, 300 minutes telling me about it? <laughs> Escaping the, because that was in 2016, escaping the political uh, ramp up in 2016 was fun and very much enjoyable over there. But their Philhar magic, those grates were flawless. Uh, they were spotless in there, and it is a far cry from what is in Florida. Anyway, uh, moving on from a question standpoint. Will the masked characters get face masks? Hmm. In Universal, the, the ones that are performing on a stage are actually wearing face masks. At this point, I don't know that they're going to be doing traditional meet and greets anytime soon, so they may get away with just on a parade float not doing it. But if they decide to make the step down from those parade floats and meet with guests, then I would absolutely expect them to, especially if it's going to be like on a parade route and they approach a guest but don't necessarily stop, then I would say definitely. Or if it's any of their indoor areas. Yes, that too, that too. What about the non-face characters? Do you think that they will put a giant, you know, cartoonish mask on the uh, on Mickey and Donald? I can see them doing it almost like as a show of solidarity, um, mm-hmm. as a means of possibly getting kids to do it as well, because they're asking kids to and up, I believe, to wear masks. Right. So if they see Mickey doing it, then it's a little bit more reasonable. But I've do, heard, do, I, I, it might be a rumor, but I've heard that they're wearing masks underneath the heads. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think Which that, is, do you think that mask will make it into the animation? So as new, you know, films emerge, will they become will they penetrate that sort of genre of art? That would mean our lives are never going back to normal. <laughs> and so I hope not. <laughs> you can you can look at like a uh, snapshot in time though and sure why not. I would imagine that there's going to be a multitude of new media about this time that we're currently living in. I sure. mean, this is, this is totally unprecedented and that's got to permeate itself somehow in Disney's, uh, uh, Disney's catalog of movies. So, um, I would certainly say that it is very likely in the future, Disney will produce something that will have animated characters wearing masks in reference to something like this. Um, that doesn't seem out of the question at all. Yep. Uh, next one from, uh, Brian Gamutza. Uh, bigger Diz Twitter crime, abducting Buzzy or holding a Disney duck? Wait, can you read that again? 
You have to explain this one to Josh. A bigger Diz Twitter crime: abducting Buzzy or holding a Disney duck. So Buzzy, I think you're familiar with, seeing as yeah. you you uh, interviewed prime suspect number one. Uh, yeah. I'm familiar with that. I have not had any ducks on my radar though. The, Buzzy Buzzy was in his lap during that interview. <laughs> the uh, the Disney duck. I don't know if it's in reference to the photo that. Uh, was it was a duck in front of Cinderella Castle? I don't know if that was what this is in reference to, Ben, or you were thinking of something else. If, there was, a, I believe, there's a video as well. Uh, oh, I did a, not. I did not see the video. Yeah, yeah. Can someone do a better job of explaining it to me, please? Nope. <laughs> this is all you get, <laughs> and you must make your choice now. <laughs> was a real duck put in any danger? Uh, I don't know if "danger" is the right word, but it was being held by somebody who probably shouldn't be holding a duck. Okay, then I'm going to answer the question. Uh, committing a crime against a bit of personal property is not as bad as potentially harming a real living animal. Okay. There's your answer, Brian. That said, I have no data. I haven't seen this video. I don't <laughs> even really know what question I just That's answered. That's generally but. how we operate here, though. We, we so, answer questions without experiences. So, yeah, just a, yeah it, was, it was a guest. It wasn't a cast member. It was a guest around the hub uh, on TikTok, of all things. That so picked up a duck or something? That picked up a duck. So I don't think uh, you should do that. And because you posted on TikTok, which is evil, that's that that's even more that way. Don't don't touch real ducks. Yeah, leave <laughs> leave the animals alone. I mean also don't steal. Also good advice. How, I changed my answer. <laughs> Fuck them both. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another question from a from Joel Nons. Uh, will we ever see a non-IP original attraction ever again? <laughs> oh, not looking good. <laughs> no, nope. definitely not looking good. So, Shanghai opened with one totally unique concept in the in the rapid ride, as far as I as far as I know. I think what it will take is a new park or new leadership or both. I don't think you're going to see. Something that is paid for by Disney, built by Disney in an existing Disney park uh, that is, let's say, a sea ticket or above that's a ride that's going to be an original concept. So let me throw a monkey wrench in there. As the economy faces a, at minimum, uncertain time, do you think that the Disney company will ever turn back to corporate sponsorships as a way to put attractions into parks? Because in my mind... I think they'd love to do it. There's just no buyers. See, I don't... I have. I find that hard. To, I think. I feel like there are buyers out there, and I, I could think of you know several companies that would be well served by having an attraction there. And that that to me seems like the most probable way of getting a. a and we say non IP. I sort of have this pedantic bugaboo about that. If you create a new idea in order to build a ride about it, that's IP Movie too. Movie based IP is what's but, meant. But, yeah, and but I know what people mean. That. I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. But yeah, I think are. that I think well, maybe. <laughs> I, I do think that the the highest probability way to get a non movie based attraction built is to have is to use somebody else's money, and that and corporate sponsorships right. are certainly something that Disney has historical experience with. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen again. Tim, question for you: Sure, is Tom Sawyer Island big enough to hold big grizzly mountain runaway mine cars from Hong Kong Disneyland? Uh, that's a good question. Isn't it too much like uh, Thunder Mountain, though? Who cares at this point? It's a clone, and clones are cheaper than a new original <laughs> so concept. Thunder Mountain, Thunder Mountain part do. So the, the thing with that, Ben, is that I believe that entire river is, if not entirely man-made, partially man-made. Oh, we're so, draining that, by so, the way. So you can, fill that you can manipulate it and put 
let's just use Thunder Mountain because it's right there as the basis. It wouldn't be as tightly packed as Thunder Mountain is, but you could put a similarly sized attraction on the islands that are out there. Okay, yes. hear me out. Since we're doing uh, New Orleans Square all the way down to yep, exactly. Pecos Bills. It's also taking gotta, over Adventureland, I decided, so we can get pirates in there. We got to get rid of the country bears. So yep. we put the country bears in Big Grizzly Mountain on Tom Sawyer Island. Okay, sure. We're done. Not? Let's do it. So we got Josh, the country is, bears. Josh is not on board for any of this. Country bears have been moved over to to uh, what's the ride in Hong Kong called? Is it big is grizzly it, mountain runaway mine cars with the country bears uh, yep. and figure there. done <laughs> and bu- and buzzy yeah and buzzy. <laughs> I like the idea of like overlapping attractions. Like I, I I don't have a problem with like merging things and having multiple experiences share a same space. That's not what we're talking about here. We're just spreading out more and more. Yeah. No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, what was the question? <laughs> Will we ever see a non-IP original attraction ever again? Yeah. Uh, so some people argue that the uh, new water ride in um, Typhoon Lagoon, the, the the raft ride there, counts. Uh, mm. You could you could make that argument, but I think the only way the current administration allows for this is if something like the Society of Explorers and Adventurers rises up and can be a way to connect multiple experiences uh, either around the world or around Walt Disney World to have some sort of other unifying marketing theme to sell it. Um, What's interesting, though, is something like Pandora. I don't think that is really being sold on being an Avatar experience. I think it's being sold as just an incredible experience. And a lot of these things that are done well are done well regardless of the IP. So they're using that as the source material, but it, it they, they fail to recognize that you don't necessarily need existing source material to create something great because they've done but, it before. Yep. But considering what they paid Fox to own that IP now, anything they do moving forward will definitely have these new movies coming out shoehorned in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so this is the last one from Twitter. Uh, frequent uh, writer into the show, Taco Man nine forty five, uh, who did not comment, who did not praise us on this one. So we're uh, maybe Taco a little hesitant, mm. Kevin. You know, Taco Man sucks. Risky move. Taco Man sucks. If we look at the history of his tweets, like ninety percent of them are praising our show. So, <laughs> what's the uh, future slash present of Rider Swap? To visit resorts, are ADRs needed now? As far as you're aware, of course. I want to hear your take on Splash Retheme. When are each of you planning your next visit? Thoughts on the new park reservation system? Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Love you guys. Make it a long one. Uh, you got to put that at the front, <laughs> Kevin. Good man. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's let's look at this. Uh, there's 14 questions in here. Uh, so he says, love you guys. Make it a long one. Okay. So that's where we're going to start. And I think we're good. I don't think we need to actually answer any of his questions. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. Uh, future slash present of Rider Swap. Uh, I think that that will exist in perpetuity. Um, yep. Unless they come up with a, an equal but alternate version of it. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that, them get, getting rid of that. Uh, to visit resorts or ADRs needed now as far as you're aware. So that's always been the policy for some resorts. Yep. I think they are going to start enforcing that more. I think that uh, the days of parking at the Poly and going over to the Magic Kingdom are probably, uh, if they're not gone already, they're not long for this world. Uh, I think that they are going to try to restrict access to spaces 
to the extent that they can. They don't really want people resort hopping, which is interesting because that's a fun thing to do. There's plenty of activity just walking around the resorts. But I'd say for at least the rest of 2020, expect some pushback if you're trying to go just tour a resort. They, they've been getting they've been getting tighter with that over the last couple of years to begin with. They have been, so yeah. it's it's only going to get worse. It's really a shame because honestly, one of the things that makes Walt Disney World so revisitable is that you mm-hmm. can have a different experience every time just by sort of and we've talked about this just meandering off the beaten path of what everyone does and exploring the kind of nooks and crannies and the resorts are a huge part of that. So. You know, as far as the parking at a resort and then going somewhere else, yeah, you know, that's something they've been cracking down on. But certainly just the idea that it's, I mean, it's in the name. It's a world, right? You're supposed to be able to go out of the parks and, you know, into these resorts. And it's just this sort of open environment. If it were a video game, you know, it's like GTA. Well, hopefully not exactly. But, (laughs) but, you know, it's not, there's not a lot of rigid structure dictating. Well, there didn't used to be a lot of rigid structure dictating how you explored it. And increase like our one of our issues with my magic plus largely is that it is a removal of just sort of random arbitrary exploration. So yeah. I, I hate to see that go away in any shape or form. So I think that the official policy, at least when I last asked about it, is that if you have a resort reservation, you can park at that resort all day without issue. And I have taken advantage of this, especially on high crowd days going to Epcot where I've booked a lunch reservation at the beach or the yacht club just so I could park over there and make an easy exit after the fireworks. Um, these are things that are common enough, but you're, they're still getting a benefit from it because they're getting your dollars at a, at a sure. restaurant. I, I, I mean, don't, it, it's one ahead. company, right? Right. With the resort touring, Grand Floridian has been a place where they've really never let you park there very easily, but you could, often park at the Contemporary. You can often park at the Poly. Wilderness Lodge, you can usually park. At, and that all has transportation to the Magic Kingdom that's different than the Express Monorail from the TTC. So those are all options. And that's kind of the motivation for a lot of people, not just the you know resort hopping. So I would say that anticipate a disruption in that for as long as you are wearing masks at the park. I think that's probably the safest way to assume that they'll regulate it. But do you, when it goes away, do you think it will be an official policy change or will it just be apathy and enforcement? It's probably going to be the latter. I think that they're, they've said that uh, you're no longer allowed to uh, stay here if you don't have a reservation. Right. There are things you can say, and I'll, I'll put it out there. Our listenership isn't that big. Uh, <laughs> if you want to go to the poly and uh, park there, you can just say, hey, I'm going to use valet, and they'll let you do it. You don't have to use valet, but you just tell them that you're going to, and they'll let you through the gate. Or you can say you're going to the bar. You don't need a reservation for the bar. Uh, it's a little weird when you're going at nine in the morning, but uh, you know I have done it. <laughs> <laughs> so th- these are these are plenty of things that can that can be said. And uh, so often for me at the poly, I am going to I am going to the bar to get wings. Um, but anyway, uh, he has six more questions. So let's hit those. Uh, when are each of you planning to visit next? Uh, ben, you're there right now, right? You have to really. Kick me in the balls like that? Just poking, just poking. <laughs> I had a vacation scheduled to start on uh, July 15th that we uh, made the decision not to go. Uh, we do have a trip in September uh, booked for Universal, and we have one for Disneyland at the end of October. Uh, and I would say the chances of the September one happening are probably slim to none at the current rate of things, and fingers are crossed for October, but we'll just see. Uh, 
I want to go back very badly for just uh, my mental state. Yeah, uh, but we're not going to do something stupid. So uh, who knows? We'll see. But at least the parks are open, which makes me happy. Uh, it get, at least gives me the faith that uh, eventually we'll get back out there at some point. Yeah. Josh, same question. Do you have any idea? Yeah. I mean, I've been kind of waiting on the parks to open just so I had some data to inform that decision. I, I made the decision that I didn't really want to be there on day one. Um, <laughs> not not really so much because of a fear of getting corona. is just I really didn't know what the experience was going to be. Yep. And a lot of the early leaks and rumors that I saw led me to believe that the experience wasn't going to be particularly good. Yep. Um, after seeing some of the photos from, from uh, you know, day one, the crowd levels definitely are something I would put in the pro column. It seems to me yep. to be that the crowd levels are very low. But then again, one of the bizarre things about that is I don't know how many other people are thinking the same thing. So to me, it's, it's sort of it's a high risk move to look at those you know opening day photos and assume that the crowds are going to be that way by the time I were to get down there. Sure. Um, but at the same time, how long I is would, your flight from Indiana? I mean, that's a long flight if you. It's not a long it, flight. It's a long drive. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that well, either way, but you know, the, the drive yeah. is not so long that it's going to totally change the dictate the, the patterns of uh, travel to Florida from. Yeah, the, no. The east side. <laughs> I mean, to it, me, it was a bad joke and explaining it really right. helped. It. It's okay. <laughs> Jokes are always best when they have a long-winded explanation behind exactly. them. That's um, just what I subscribe to. <laughs> you know, something I've mentioned to Tim and Ben. I don't know if I said on the show is just I after moving from living my whole life in Florida and then moving to Indiana, where it's generally cooler, although it hasn't been lately. I don't have any desire to be in South uh, Central Florida in the summer. So right. I would say that, you know, assuming that there's not some massive change in the Corona situation, I would definitely entertain going down there uh, in November or December. That's kind of what I'm thinking right now. That would be the earliest for me and similar logic that I assume that the next trip that I make will require, will, will, I will need to wear a mask during that trip. Sure. And thinking strictly from a comfort standpoint, September, it's 90 degrees, yep. uh, middle of the day. October, you might get a few days that are mid-80s anyway. So November, December. But I also uh, like the idea my daughter was born in January of being down there for her first birthday. I thought that was a cool idea, cool thought, and that might be what we do instead. That pushing it that much further. Um, the, the thing with coronavirus, by all accounts, in theory, time will make things better. So pushing it out that much further makes some sense. And if it's a different, if there's a difference between November and December versus January, we may just decide that we go in January. I mean, I'm no doc medical doctor, but it seems to me that the way that we're going to survive this is by getting it and becoming immune to it. So I, yeah. I don't know what the best method for that to happen is, but I, I don't, I don't see global exposure taking longer than finding a, a you know, a vaccine. So. Uh, buffets and licking people is the preferred method, too. <laughs> well, that's no problem with the parks. <laughs> yes. Uh, why don't we move over to Facebook, uh, where we have some more questions. Uh, this one comes to us from beloved Mac May. Uh, this is for Ben specifically. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> I don't know. I was just born awesome. So <laughs> I love Mac so much. <laughs> uh, David Thacker asks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, think, I feel like we're just blowing through that and not giving it the depth. <laughs> there was no the context. <laughs> I thought we were friends, Mac. What do you think, nature versus nurture? Was he born this way or was he turned into this mess? 
See, I can't tell though if he's asking that because he thinks I'm a dick or he thinks I'm awesome. So dick. it's hard. Well, us, it's hard to answer. Different answers. <laughs> <laughs> give, give the dick answer or give the awesome answer. Like I said, I was born this way. I was just born badass, and that's I can't help it. Can't help it. I predict and a follow a- up to this in the next show. <laughs> and, hey, Mac, we're gonna need more context here. And I'm a drunk, so that doesn't help. <laughs> Same. Uh, this next one comes from David Thacker, who got a few in here. Uh, you, that's what she said. Do you think food and wine will make it without getting shut down? I'm not yes. so sure. And Josh, can you please give us a rant? Uh, we got that <laughs> earlier on. In the that's show. That's already happened. Yep. <laughs> Delivered that early to you, buddy. I don't think food and wine is closing down ever. That is that is like saying, do you think that the giant Monday printing machine is going to get yeah. shut off today? I think no. I think no, it's not. We have this machine in the back that just generates piles and piles of money. Do you think we yeah. should turn that off? <laughs> Let's go ahead and leave that on. Yeah, shoot they're the guy find that's ways to do it, David. It's whether it's you know <laughs> their their plexiglass budget might increase, but you yeah. know at, at I mean, six dollars for uh, a quarter of a hot dog, they're going to make a mint on doing this stuff. So yeah, I mean, I could see potentially changes into how the the product is delivered, um, but you know, as far as it going away, no way. Next one comes from Seth Crawford. What does the new Epic Universe Park need to do to consider itself suitable competition for any of the Disney parks? I didn't hear any of that because I didn't hear praise in the beginning. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that this is coming from Seth. We're going to put words in his mouth. Uh, Ranking you guys from uh, favorite to least favorite, Tim, Ben, Josh, but you're all awesome. Uh, (laughs) What does the new Epic Universe Park need to do to consider itself suitable competition to any of the Disney parks? And asking each of us uh, independently, so we each have our own opinion. So I guess we have to earmuffs for the answer, and then just bang on something, and that's how we know. <laughs> ben, why don't you kick it off? What do you think they need to do? Open. Okay. Josh, no. <laughs> no, I, mean, I didn't even have? know about the Jurassic Coaster until 15 <laughs> minutes ago, so I'm not sure that I actually have the qualifications to weigh in on this. Maybe you go last and you just steal our no, answers. I, no, I'll give an answer. I <laughs> To be equivalent to what, – what was the actual wordage? I want to try and uh, – To consider response. itself suitable competition for any of the Disney parks. Damn it. He's going to take my answer now. Watch. Okay. So I think that Disney and Universal largely are competing for different markets. There's overlap yeah, in terms of the actual exactly. people. But in terms of the nature of what they're competing for, it's different. So uh, Universal is going for the legitimate thrill. Disney's going for this hybrid approach where they're trying to add a level of thrill to highly themed experiences. Um so I think Ben's answer is really good. I think they just need to open. There, this is a mutual. This is like the what is it? The Amora is that the thing that like sucks on the shark's back? You know, it's it's this sort of symbiotic relationship between these so two. The infield companies. that they got kicked off the Cubs. What's that? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> is that a baseball joke? Yes, it yep. was. Oh, no wonder I didn't think it was funny. No, I I think that these companies. There's no doubt that they push each other, and I think that we as the consumers absolutely benefit. Um, yep. But I think that their their relationship is very, very interesting and that I don't think it's a zero-sum game. I don't think that what's good for Disney is bad for Universal or vice versa. Um, I, I think they're going to continue to thrive side by side. They have the benefit to me that they've they, they've seen Disney's playbook. Mm-hmm. We, we know what Disney's doing over the next several years. We know what they've done this year, and we know what they're doing the next several years. Uh, we've seen Rise of the Resistance. We've seen Runaway Railway. We know Tron's coming. We know the other stuff. Uh, we, we, we know the, the massive building that the Guardians coaster is going in. And based on what James Gunn has come out and said, where he's evidently seen the plans for the attraction and his quote was, uh, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. Uh, and that's coming from a guy who, you know, lives and does he the spectacular. That in a way, didn't he? 
Yeah, yeah. No, he met, he's like he's blown away by the idea and concept that that they're going to try to pull off. So, knowing what Disney's doing, and frankly, with the name Epic in your park title, yeah, he better deliver. <laughs> your attractions better be pretty badass, and they better be on that next level. And you know, we're we're very impressed with Hagrid's. I love Hagrid's. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, the Jurassic Park coaster. But to me, it almost seems like that's. That's just going to be a coaster. Uh, you know, it, it's not that I, I I don't know if it's going to have that big immersive experience uh, like some of the stuff that we've seen over at Disney. So the, the, the attractions have to pay off. They have to be on the level of what Disney's about to open. Uh, otherwise, people are going to go to that park and go, it's not as good as this stuff that's hit over at Disney. So they, they've just got to. They've got to keep raising their game. They have over the last several years, and I have no doubt that they will continue. But, uh, you know, with this with this shutdown uh, that's happened and whatever funds might have uh, been taken away from uh, just the park operations from Comcast to begin with, uh, they, they got to make sure they don't cut back on what they've pitched and delivered and what they've been developing. Otherwise, it, it won't stand up to what has already opened and what we know is coming down the pipeline. I think the biggest expectation from that park is what they can do with a Mario Kart ride. So if you want to put the park success on a single attraction, I would say that ride needs to be a home run. Uh, beyond that, the way to, in answering Seth's specific question, suitable competition to any of the Disney parks, most of the Disney parks have, as Josh said, an assortment of experiences. It's not just thrills. Uh, there is a, a level playing field of, or not a level, there's a, uh, there's a gradient of we've got rides that don't have height requirements, rides that are kind of like gradually building up to the more thrilling attraction and then those thrilling attractions themselves. Yep. So until they build an e-ticket ride that doesn't have a height requirement, which they I don't believe they have done since Universal Studios opened itself when they had... Kong, which didn't have a height requirement, Jaws, E.T., and I guess Earthquake might have had one. I'm not positive. Uh, They haven't really done that, where they need to start doing some things like that if they really want to take away from the family market, which is largely what Disney has over Universal. Um, But yeah, I think that, as we've said, competition really, really boosts uh, the game across the board, and I hope that the opening of Epic Universe rekindles the theme park wars because they are potentially going to be disrupted significantly by this. Not potentially. They, they will be disrupted significantly by the coronavirus. So they are, They're so far down the line, by the way, on some of the stuff that they put out there. I wonder if this break and this pushback of the you know construction and delay of opening the park – makes them rethink any of the stuff that they put out there. Uh, because I do think they're already starting at a bit of a disadvantage with some of the concepts that they're going in. I don't think, I think Nintendo's fantastic. They're, that's mm-hmm. a no brainer. Uh, I love yeah. that they're doing the universal monsters. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Uh, building a whole land around just how to train your dragon, which I know, you know, you guys don't have kids that are in that age range that that stuff's targeted towards, but I have two that never bring up, wanting to watch how to train your it's dragon. It doesn't, it doesn't strike a chord with them whatsoever. And yet they're built, you know, I think an attraction on how to train your dragon, that's fine. An entire land. Oy, I don't know how that again, stands up 20 years from now. Did we and say the same thing about avatar? Like if execution is there, who cares? 
at least Avatar is the most uh, the highest grossing movie of all time. We know yeah, people that's fair. That's a fair have argument. seen that. Uh, and and they uh, didn't Hopkins say it was a box office failure. <laughs> I'll yeah, not get that. <laughs> well, the other the other thing is How to Train Your Dragon's done. They've yeah. they've they've come out and said there are no more How to Train Your Dragon movies. They finished that franchise. So you're building an entire part based most on a franchise that's over. Are on franchises that are done though. But most going toward but going towards Avatar. You know, yeah. they're filming three movies right now. There is a future yeah. for that franchise. But to, I, I'm getting too lost in the weeds on on Avatar, on, a, on How to Train Your Dragon, because that's not even the worst one. It's that whole idea of doing an entire section of the park based on Fantastic Beasts, a franchise yeah. that nobody cares about whatsoever. Uh, it's had uh, two disappointing box office runs. It's got an author that, that is behind that movie that's being canceled all over social media based on her comments that she's throwing out right and left. Yep. So I would point I don't this out. I think that's a good idea. They got a whole half of the park that's very questionable. But what mm. you just said is actually interesting because if you look at the layout. In deference to normally when you speak, Ben. You've got your strong contenders uh, in the hotel all together. Nintendo, the classic monsters in the hotel. There's an expansion area which is directly adjacent to Fantastic Beasts and How to Train Your Dragon. So it seems to me what they – it. It seems to be pretty clear that their confidence level in each of these lands is evidenced by how they've laid them out. So obviously, you've got to have a critical. There's, I think, the problem with building an additional gate is it's got to be substantial enough to warrant its own admission, right? So I don't necessarily think that How to Train Your Dragon and Fantastic Beasts are what they intend on being the long-term plan for this park. Mm-hmm. But it gets them open. It gets them enough real estate and, enough, and a high enough attraction count to open the gates. And then it frees up an entire side of the park essentially to be reinvented over time without disturbing the two lands and the hotel that are probably going to be the primary draw of the place. So to me, but these are these are the accoutrement to the to the core of what that place is going to be. It, it seems you have easy answers to both of those right off the bat, though, without having to commit to the construction and build out right from the start. I mean, you don't have to do Fantastic Beaks. You can do another Harry Potter. That's It's simple. Yes, there's three Harry Potters. Yeah, three you make the Ministry of Magic. Solved. But you can do Harry Potter. Done. Uh, how to Train Your Dragon, why is not that Why is that not just a, a DreamWorks land like yeah. Nintendo? Yeah, no, that and, makes sense. Right? You know, there's probably an answer to that question. They so, own it. So counter-argument to that, though. Uh, Islands of Adventure, when it was first introduced, if, if we were to be having this conversation about the announced land for Islands of Adventure, we would have uh, a double dip of a comic book land. All right, who does that appeal to? Because this was pre-MCU, pre-comic book movies being anything other than pure camp. Uh, And then the comic strip land, which was next to it. You've got this mythical land that didn't have Harry Potter attached to it. That was a holdover from Animal Kingdom that didn't get built. It wasn't good enough for Disney, but it's a takeaway and throwaway land there. So we could have cherry-picked Islands of Adventure the same way. And this is effectively an extension to Islands of Adventure, the way that they're designing it. It's uh, hubbed areas that are around a single concept. And, I mean, that's that's the general idea of a theme park that Disney or Universal builds. But I think you can kind of tear down any of these things to their simplest form. But to Ben's point, How to Train Your Dragon, too narrow a scope. And uh, Fantastic Beasts, yes, there are more movies coming, but they have not been anywhere near as successful as Harry Potter. So. Yeah, it just it seems like you've got other franchises that just make more sense. You you've got <laughs> you've got the Shrek, you've got Kung Fu Pan. You know, there, there's the rumors of another Shrek rebranding or, or a, a relaunch, redo of Shrek. 
Uh, Kung Fu Panda is a worldwide phenomenon. I know How to Train Your Dragon has done well money-wise, but it just doesn't have that. Uh, They've built a Madagascar ride elsewhere. They could the, do that. And it's, and it's a good ride. It looks like a very fun ride. So uh, I, I was just kind of surprised that they just didn't do a whole DreamWorks land as opposed to just sticking to one thing that you, you it better pay off and it better have that lasting appeal. Otherwise, you know, yeah, 20 years down the line, you're redoing the whole section and maybe not even that long. You know, they've made they've made switches quicker than that. So we'll see. I just wonder if they're able to go back to the table right now. And obviously the Fantastic Beast has had the more pushback than How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, with the, with the you know supposed year delay uh, in the construction and opening of that park, do they have time to go back and redo these things that have been put out public and already had some pushback on? Uh, so we'll wait and see. We've got a few here that are going to be quick hits. Uh, this uh, next one from Aaron Marie, two first names, always a crowd pleaser. Do you think the balloon debacle will end the small horse parades? Uh, Aaron, we were not speaking of you specifically at the beginning of the show when we talked about this. Um, but this is a question that others have been asking and we kind of answered earlier on in the show. Uh, I think this situation was handled as well as it could have been. You'll know if they start selling glue. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I was literally trying to think of a glue joke. Hopefully, Ben. <laughs> Gary actually chimed in saying that Merida was on the horse the next day. So I don't I don't think this what is, is he and what does he know, though? He's a yeah, I mean, this if this starts happening on a he weekly constantly basis, gets stuff tangled then, in his legs. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't see this ending. The uh, yeah, this, this seems to be an parades. isolated incident. Yeah. Similar question to something we addressed earlier. But again, uh, <laughs> it's funny. So why not? Rob Joyce, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, should you pick it up? Also, is it, <laughs> is, it, is it open season on Donald who does neither of those things? Um, I guess that the fair question is, is the duck wearing pants or not? If it's not wearing pants, then it's probably fair game to pick up. Prosecute the duck. Indecent exposure. <laughs> Uh, next one from uh, David Thacker again, who has about fourteen in here. If Walt Disney World is going to pull Star Tours, what would you put there, Muppets, or would that whole area change to something totally different? You know what? Let's table that. And David has another question that I'm going to read now. I think both of these would make a good show. Uh, and I'm saying this as if I'm thinking of this off the cuff. When reality, we talked about this ahead of this show. But I'm going to read it. <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded so natural before you I pulled know, the curtain. I, know, but I like to call myself out. You blew uh, it. <laughs> David had another question. Each of you have been commissioned to build one new ride attraction, one of the four parks in 2023. Why 2025? So you can't come. Uh, something already coming. Okay. Anyway, uh, space has been made for your attractions. You have. Uh, you don't have to worry about Hooker size. Mountain. <laughs> uh, three guys, four parks, no doubling up in parks, so one park gets no love. So I think we, we will treat these as two separate questions, and either one of our upcoming shows, we will address both of David's questions. David gets a whole show. As their own show, so it'll be uh, – we, we did the uh, – we did the epic stunt spectacular for uh, now his name escapes me. <laughs> I'm a bad host. We can do the David Thacker epic stunt spectacular. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll do that soon. Uh, another question from Aaron Marie. How long till they bump the capacity up? Uh, I think as long as Florida is continuing to get worse, that Disney will not change their capacity numbers. I have a follow-up question that what percentage of their reduced capacity have they hit already? I mean, it's sort of a moot point to raise the the theoretical capacity of the park if they're not even bringing in that number of people. So. And will yeah. they even make it public knowledge uh, I information I would expect when not. they start doing it. So we will never know. I would say that push it out two months and you might see a little bit more. Uh, you might see a few more people in the parks. But uh, that is 
purely just thinking that in two months' time there may be an improvement in Florida. Hopefully, yeah, there will be. An they're basically in like chasing the dragon with this. Like the, they they obviously want the levels to be as high as they can possibly be without the crowd levels resulting in negative publicity and problems for them. So teasing yep. that is going to take time. And I, I suspect they'll be relatively restrained in how they do it. Cause it's easier to, to it's easier to bump them up slowly and wish you'd gone faster than to go faster. And then you can't get the genie back in the bottle once that news cycle hits. So yep. I think they're going to be pretty, pretty conservative in how they increase capacity levels. So related to this, and it has some follow-ups, this is from Ben Bowers. Uh, it will be easier for Disney to delay the opening of Disneyland again if a surge in cases continue, but what would it take, if anything, for them to close Walt Disney World again? So we have a few follow-ups here. Uh, do we see them doing something July, August, September? Uh, I think anybody booking reservations for Disney World really at any point in the next year has to anticipate that this this is a possibility. There's yep. still so much unknown, yep. and it's entirely possible that 15,000 is the peak and it goes down from here, or it's entirely possible that 15,000 is the next rung of the ladder, and we really just don't know. Do you think they would voluntarily shut down again, or would it all have to be government-enforced? Um, I think th- – so can I go first? Sure. I think that they have enough of a presence with the with officials in Florida to where they would avoid it being mandatory. I think they would ha- there would have to be such a rift between Disney upper management uh, and the government of the state of Florida. If if Disney got to Wait, the point on. where the state of Florida has a government, <laughs> you know, if Disney got to the point where they feel where they feared, st- um, you know, stockholder fears. If they wanted to appease stockholders by, you know, basically wanting to show that they weren't going to shut down unless the government made them, then I can see them waiting till the state of Florida actually mandated that they close down. But mm-hmm. short of that, my suspicion is that they would want to minimize the publicity of this by not not that they could really do that to any great degree, uh, but I suspect that there would be some cooperation between the state of Florida and Disney where they would try to make that look voluntary. Sure, but don't sure. don't you think? They would have had that pool in California as well. They pretty much did that in California. That's the understanding. Like they announced their opening day and then they used the state of California as a means of backing off that opening day. Like behind the scenes, I'm sure that Disney, when they announced their opening day, they spoke with the state of California to make sure. Do we think it would? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Because there's there's really there's multiple forces here. There's there's public opinion, and then there's there's shareholder opinion, right? And from a shareholder perspective, what they want to think is that management is doing what they can to maximize, you know, shareholder value over the short and long term. Um, Public opinion, you don't want to create the sentiment that the company is indifferent to the health and well-being of people, uh, you know, you know, in the state. So those things are not necessarily consistent with each other. They can be absolutely be at odds with each other. Because when the parks close, the revenue drops to zero, right? That's the one fact that we can essentially all agree on. Yeah. Um, so that's not good for shareholders. It's also not necessarily good for shareholders to piss off the populace of two gigantic and very important states. So mm-hmm. how you actually balance those potentially competing interests uh, is interesting to me. But I think both of them involve 
uh, the highest level of communication and cooperation with the state that you can right up until the point where cooperating with them is no longer in your best interest. So uh, it's, you know, unprecedented times. I think a lot of people in the upper management of that company uh, are getting an education right now as to how to deal with this sort of global crisis, because quite frankly, anyone who's young enough to be alive and, and in those positions hasn't ever probably dealt with it in their lifetime. What is Action Park doing in this? <laughs> they have a new uh, meat grinder coaster that actually <laughs> launches you through a beef shredder. That's a good idea. We should we should uh, experience that. Someone who's ridden it has subsequently contracted corona. <laughs> <laughs> new documentary about Action Park coming out, by the way. Can't wait. Fascinating place. And anyone listening who hasn't heard of that, you should go ahead and just throw that into your search bar. Yep. Uh, a couple more quick hits. Uh, Chris Hodgson. First time, long time. No question. Just a thanks for all you do. Have a magical day. What a nice guy. Uh, yes. Badass. <laughs> yeah, that's, then, uh, that's how you do it right there. It's a boss. <laughs> we can go through these a lot quicker if you just praise us and you don't actually have to answer <laughs> any questions. Uh, who knows? Actually, from here, we can probably jump into replacing uh, the UK pavilion with New Orleans Square again and Epcot. So uh, we, we make some leaps on here. So whatever you <laughs> praise us with, we will just take it whatever direction we feel is appropriate. Uh, last question, and I assume this is in reference to this specific show and not the world around us, uh, from Ben Young, when will this nightmare end? Uh, <laughs> and I think uh, that is three, three minutes. <laughs> I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Marty Called Podcast. If you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail.com. Uh, David Thacker, you've got a, you've got a show in the hopper that we've got to record in uh, probably the next month or so. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at Marty Called or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Marty Called. We'd also appreciate our listeners bookmarking our Amazon affiliate link over on martycalled.com. Use that link as your starting point for all of your, what do we have in August coming up? Uh, and all of your random August purchases and we get a cut doesn't cost you anything but helps fund the show with purchases you're going to make anyway uh, if anybody in the NBA is listening to this show I know that you're having a lot of Amazon deliveries please use our affiliates link we'd appreciate that uh, for anything you've got delivered to the Grand Floridian Ben where can we find you online you can find me on Twitter at RealSkipperBen and you can find my t-shirts featuring quotes from Josh's parents at utilidors.com <laughs> with seven O's <laughs> uh, Josh, if people want to complain to you, where can they do that? Um, the best way to file a complaint with me, if I have really upset you, uh, let me know by purchasing a shirt at utilidors.com. <laughs> uh, it is two O's, not seven. And that same website can be reached by going to coronafreedisney.com. And remember, just because I may not agree with you doesn't mean we can't be friends. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> Very good. And you can find me at WDW Theme Parks on Twitter and wdwthemeparks.com. That's going to do it for this show. Talk to you later. Eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman, dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence impoverished and squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar? The $10 founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a lot smarter, by being a self-starter by 14. They placed them in charge of a trading charter, and every day while slaves were being slaughtered and carted away across the waves, he struggled and kept his guard up. Inside, he was looking for something to be a part of. The brother was ready to beg, steal, borrow, or barter. Then a hurricane came and devastation reigned. Our man saw his future drip dripping down the drain. Put a pencil to his temple, connected it to his brain, and he wrote his first refrain, a testament to his pain. Well, the word got around. They said, this kid's insane, man. Took up a collection just to send him to the mainland. Get your education. Don't forget from whence you came, and the world's gonna know your name. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton, and there's a million things I haven't done, but just you wait, just you wait.